What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. The fantasy season over for the majority of you, but we still got some incredibly important games in week 18, plus the NFL playoffs right around the corner, so you know we gotta keep up with these Saturday underdog videos. All of these picks remain free on the website. Remember, I post them on Tuesdays, so there's ones I go over today, plus more on the site, along with my free rankings for underdog best ball tournaments. It works for all of them, whether you wanna join the Mitten, um, the Gauntlet, any one of those, all free on the website. Plus, this week, we have 20 to 1. Haven't had one the last few weeks, but I feel really good about this one. So if you want some action, now that the fantasy season is over, head on over to Underdog. Sign up for your first account today using promo code FFA. Do that, and they'll match your first deposit up to $100. The vast majority of you can do either Pick'em or Best Ball Contest or both of them, and since rankings and picks for both are free on my website, no reason not to take advantage. So, we'll go over my picks for week 18 in a second, but first, a lot of you asked about how I would handle deciding a winner in fantasy this season, given the Bills and Bengals game has now officially been canceled, they're not going to remake the game, they're not going to like you know restart from that spot. Game's canceled. Uh, this is obviously something that like no one saw coming, and so I don't think anyone really had like, a contingency plan on what to do if this occurred. So here's how I would approach things personally. If the matchup didn't matter, it's very easy award the winner, right? Like if if there was no impact from the game, either there were no players. Or the people involved was like maybe one team was down by 70 and had Dawson Knox. They're not going to win. Like if there's just nothing that would have changed, very easy. Award the winner like usual. Don't do anything differently. The tricky part is if the projection was like close to even going into the game or maybe the team that now effectively lost was favored to win going into the game and now it's canceled. What do we do in that scenario? By rule, the game was canceled, like I said. So you can't count any of the stats from the game. I don't think there are any sites out there that are counting those stats. If a game is canceled, the game didn't happen. Everyone just gets a zero from that game. However, your individual league did not make those rules. And it's like incredibly likely that no one in your league even knew what the rules were when they signed up, right? No one's going into like those different rules and reading through them. Like no one probably knew what the actual rules were. So instead of assigning these like black and white rules to an outcome that no one saw coming, I would do the following. First, talk to the two teams involved or I guess four teams involved if you have payouts for third and fourth place. Um, see what they want to do. They're the ones that are going to be impacted, and so their thoughts matter the most. I've seen a ton of leagues just agree to split the payout. Um, so if that's what the teams want to do, who cares what you know the eighth place team wants to do? Like if the top two seeds want to split the payout, just split the payout, right? It's your league, do whatever you want. If they don't agree, you know, one team wants to split, one team doesn't, I would personally put it um, out as a poll in the league, see what the league wants to do. Um, do the same rules as you do for like rule changes. So in my hometown league, I believe you need eight of the 12 people to vote on something for it to take effect. And so if you don't have something like that, just do simple majority. Um, but 
treat it the same as that. If you need in a normal setting, eight people to vote for something in like a, a 12 team league, go with that for this. If eight people vote to split, do the split and then use the commissioner as a tie. If you're like not over the edge, commissioner gets that extra vote. Now, I have seen a lot of people suggest, okay, we don't want to do a split. We want to either use week 18 stats or maybe um, projections, like go back and be like, well, I didn't get Dawson Knox uh, points, put in whatever he was projected for and use that. I do not think you should do either one of these two. Um, using projections is unfair to any team that didn't have people involved in the game because projections are safer, right? No one's going to project. Um, we'll just keep using Dawson Knox in this example. Like Dawson Knox could have done absolutely nothing, could have posted a dud. And so using his projection, now you're taking away the chance of a dud, which was a very real possibility. Even if a game shoots out, anyone could have a dud. And so it's a little bit unfair that one team would use projections when you know floor isn't taken into account as much. And then using week 18 stats is also kind of unfair because the matchups are completely different and so some players will have better matchups some will have worse matchups and so to you know positively impact one side negatively impact another it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense so I know these are two ideas that just try and fill in the points and try to do so in a fair manner um, I don't think you should go with that route personally but hey your league might feel completely differently than I do. And so when in doubt, just communicate with everyone. Ask the people involved what they want to do first. And then if you can't come to some sort of agreement, put it to a vote within the league. Uh, this was an unprecedented event. So you don't need to be super rigid with like the protocols and be like, well, you know, sleeper says do this and ESPN says do this, do this. So we have to do it. No one in your league was part of the decision-making process for doing that. And so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to just not listen to what the people in your league want to do. One last thing, uh, like I said, the game was canceled. And so technically none of the stats count. However, I would personally count them in the event that, one side, one of the teams, let's say Team A, um, received points from the game and that pushed them over the edge in the matchup and it was by enough to where like it wouldn't have mattered. So let's say um, someone has Tyler Boyd, right? Tyler Boyd scored the touchdown. If Team A went into that matchup down by two points, the Tyler Boyd touchdown, I don't even remember how far it was. What was it, like 15 yards or something like that? You know, at a minimum, that's adding, even in a standard scoring format, seven and a half points. You're up by five and a half. You would need six fumbles at least. Um, I guess that would be for the one-point fumbles. You'd need like three fumbles. It's not going to happen. That pushed you over the edge. That team would have won. And since the other team wouldn't have any players going, that team's going to win. So if you've got a position player that scored points in that game, that pushed you over the edge, you're up by like five, six points, it would take multiple fumbles just not going to happen. I would personally award that team the win. I would not do that with defenses. So if one of the defenses had enough points to go over, well, defenses can get negative points from that point on. And so I wouldn't count defense for this. But like, let's say someone had like Boyd, Higgins, and Burrow. They're up by five after the start of that game. Those players are not combining for negative six points the rest of the way through. I would award them the win. Again, it's 
only if the other team has absolutely no one and no chance of coming back. And again, I get that like sites are handling this differently for like tournaments like FFPC, Underdog, uh, DFS sites. They have to handle it differently because that is what their rules say and they don't want to get sued by people, right? But unless you think that the people in your league are going to sue you over this, then I would just talk with them, come up with what you guys think the best plan is. Again, I don't know your exact situation. I've kind of laid out a few different scenarios. I think that if it was remotely close, you probably should just split the pot, but see what people want to do and then go from there. Um, anything else, I guess, if you have like a different specific scenario, put it in the comment section. I'll give my thoughts on that, but I think that was kind of like a good overview of what I would do. You're in your own league. Ask your league mates what they want to do and go from there. So what do we like this week? Week 18, um, a lot of teams don't have like super important matchups. There are teams that are out of it. There are teams that kind of have their situation locked up. And so they might not necessarily be playing, um, you know, all of their starters 100% of the time. Because of that, number one, you don't see lines posted for some games because also some games depend on the outcome of others and sites just don't want to post lines. But one that I'm in love with is the Titans at Jaguars game. Winner of this game does win the AFC South. Uh, there are zero weather concerns in this game. It's going to be like mid to low 50s, no wind, no rain. So it's good football weather, a highly important game. And I personally think sites are under projecting this one. We saw this game play out earlier this season and it played out pretty much exactly how we thought. It was a little bit of a blowout towards the end, but again, it played out like we thought would happen. We know that the Titans are are not easy to run on, and so teams choose to pass on them. And so we see Trevor Lawrence in that game throws the ball 42 times. They only had 22 running back and wide receiver carries, even with them winning the game by two touchdowns. So even up, I think it was exactly 14 points they won by, but it was around two touchdowns. They win by that many. We still have 42 pass attempts, 22 runs, by running backs and wide receivers. And then I think Trevor Lawrence also had three carries of his own added in there. That's what we expect from Jacksonville. They're going to go pass heavy in this game. Then you look at the Titans side. Henry didn't have a billion total carries, but he had 11 in the first quarter. It really was game script. That was the reason that he didn't have 30. I think he ended up with like 100. Don't quote me on this. It was like 121 rushing yards on like 17 carries. So really efficient, uh, but it was 11 carries in the first quarter, and then a lot less after that because they were down 19 points late in the third quarter. And basically from that point on, he didn't get very many carries. And so for him to succeed, you do need them to not fall behind by three touchdowns. Like obviously everyone knows with Derrick Henry, you can't have that happen. But let's be honest, you're coaching the Titans. You're thinking last week, okay, well, this game doesn't matter, so we're resting Derrick Henry because we're feeding him. If this game is within two touchdowns, he is going to get so many carries, and if he's at all effective, he's going to have a big game. 
And so we can basically see exactly what both sides want to do as long as the game is not a complete blowout. We know who's going to perform pretty well. This was the game also that Evan Ingram had 11 for 162 and two touchdowns. I don't think that's going to happen again. Obviously, it's a good matchup for him, so he can still have a good game. But I don't expect him to drop like an absolute nuke. Like that's a you know career game. You know, many people don't ever hit that in their career. I would imagine the Titans looked at the film and they're like, okay, let's stop that from happening again, or at least try and slow that down. Uh, so I wouldn't expect as good a game, but still, you know, take a hundred yards off that and he's still over by like 14, 15 yards. So what are my picks from this game? In order of how much I like them, start off with Derrick Henry because he is the keystone. I mean, he is the most important piece from this game. If he is having a good game, it is correlating with everyone else in this game, at least everyone on the Jacksonville side, it doesn't correlate amazingly with like Dobbs passing, but like we're not taking that, right? Like it correlates beautifully with keeping the game competitive, keeping Jacksonville on their toes, not having them slow the game down a ton, run the ball a lot more, keep them in that game script where they're throwing it. So Derrick Henry, over 91 and a half rushing yards. I think he hits that probably like 70, 75% of the time. Trevor Lawrence, over 255 and a half passing yards if we get the Derrick Henry game. And if it's at least, you know, somewhat competitive through three and a half quarters even, he's hitting this over. Uh, Christian Kirk, over 53 and a half receiving yards. And Evan Ingram, over 46 and a half receiving yards. I just like those two as the most stable pieces in the offense, getting pretty secure volume. So that's four. Remember, it's five picks for a 20 to one. Three that I would add on here, I don't have like a massive lean on which one you should do. My slight lean is Chica Conquo over 24 and a half receiving yards. I like that you add in a little bit on the Titans side. You don't need Trevor Lawrence to throw for like 350 yards like you did last time. If you start adding on more and more players on the Jacksonville side, it means they need to have a huge game. If we keep it at Trevor Lawrence and two pass catchers, he doesn't need, you know, 350, 400 yards. He can easily just go for like 275, have a really good game, and those two can hit. So I like adding Chig, but if you want to add Travis Etienne over 86 and a half total yards or Zay Jones over 46 and a half receiving yards, I am perfectly fine with either one of them. Uh, and also, I fully acknowledge this game might not go off. The over-under is not that high. I believe when I last looked, it was around 39 and a half, 40, depending on the site. Um, and especially with, you know, Dobbs at quarterback for the Titans, we could see them not perform well. Jacksonville get up big. And this game turn into like 27 to 10. That could absolutely happen. And it's very possible these players do not hit. They're over. But if we're looking for a correlated bet, and we know how these teams want to attack, we know Titans want to use Henry. They want to give him 35 carries. That's what they want to happen in this game. They want that to happen. And we know Jacksonville wants to throw the ball and not run it given the strength and weaknesses of a Titans defense. So we know all of these things. Why not bet on them all being successful, correlating with each other? So I really like this 20 to one this week. Aside from that, what do we like? My next favorite is also from Saturday, and that's taking the duo of Patrick Mahomes over 320 and a half total yards combined with Juju over 52 and a half receiving yards. The Raiders are the second 
easiest matchup for opposing quarterbacks. They're the third easiest matchup for opposing slot wide receivers. We've been attacking all season every slot wide receiver against the Raiders. It is not successful, you know, 100% of the time, but it's very often successful. Um, this is a game where if Kansas City can win, they secure a first round bye. So you got to expect they're going all out in this game, obviously, but they're leaning on Mahomes. Whenever we get into these spots where it's not a must win, they're obviously still making the playoffs, they'll still be fine, but they're treating it as a must win because a first round bye is incredibly important, obviously. So in a must-win game for Kansas City, they're not leaning on Pacheco while the game is remotely close. They're leaning on Patrick Mahomes, so it's a very secure spot for the passing offense. And again, if it correlates beautifully with, oh, it's a great matchup as well for the people involved, it's a great spot. Um, I know that if you kind of look into the juju side, you're like, okay, back-to-back weeks, he's not hit this over. That was against... Uh, Seattle and the Broncos and then earlier this season in this exact game he also didn't hit so that kind of might make people um, a little bit uneasy about the bet but I'll say that um, last two against Seattle and Denver those are like you know both bottom five matchups for opposing wide receivers as I went over top three matchup for the Raiders and then when you look at the game earlier this season it was like super inefficient it was his worst efficiency game on the year still commanded eight targets he's played eight games this season with eight targets he's six and two hitting this over in those games with many of them going way over so if we're expecting eight nine targets in this spot he's probably hitting this over yes anyone can hit the under but this is a good like 65 percent of the time he's hitting this over another prop i like uh is somewhat contingent on news we get I don't think we're going to get anything concrete, but if something does come out to where we know the Vikings are not playing their starters for the whole game, I'll back off this take. But uh, the Vikings still have something to play for. Now, they cannot get a first round buy and they cannot drop below the three seed. So they're either getting the two or the three seed. And the two seed is still obviously better than the three seed because they'd very much prefer to play at home, especially if they can make it later into the playoffs. So the question is, how much did they value that difference? Just given reports that have come out so far, it suggests they do value it, not enough to like, you know, put players at risk if they're currently injured, but enough to say, we're going to go out there, play our starters, we want to try and win this game. That's what it looks like right now. And given that they play at one and the 49ers play at four, they're not going to know the outcome of that game. They're going to have to just assume there's a chance the 49ers do lose and they want to be winning at one o'clock to secure number two seed. So my guess is that they play to win, but let's be honest, they're playing a terrible defense, the Bears, I don't know if I've mentioned that so far, without Fields on the opposing offense. Fields is not going to play in this game. So it is entirely possible. They're up big in the second half. They look at the fourth quarter and they're like, all right, now it's time. We're up by 24 points. We do not need to play our starters. They bench everyone. And that would be bad if you're taking the over on anyone. So personally, from this entire game, I probably wouldn't touch 99% of the props. However, Justin Jefferson is 194 yards away from breaking the single-season receiving yardage record. And he's 229 away from 2,000. Uh, he's talked about both very openly this season. He wants to break the record. He wants 2,000 receiving yards. And if he's going up against 
and historically bad defense by the Bears. They are atrocious. Now, they're much worse against the ground game, and since teams win by so much against them, they can very easily just run it in the second half. But that doesn't mean they're good against the pass. They're very bad against wide receivers as well, and so they don't have uh, the capabilities that, like, the Packers had last week of shutting down Jefferson. If he wants to go off in this game, he will. I would also expect the Vikings to know how frustrated Jefferson was last week and to say, okay, we need to give him, he doesn't need extra confidence. He's a very confident person, but we need to like get him going a little bit heading into the playoffs. It'd still be good for him to go out there, have a really good game and be like, all right, you know, like, I don't want to say, like, oh, I'm still the guy. Like, obviously, he still knows that. He still thinks he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. But it still helps your confidence if you can go out and have a good game after having, what was it, like, one for 15 last week. So, if they do that and they kind of feature him early on, get him going, and he gets up to, like, 100, 110 yards, and they look at this and say, okay, we're going to win this game, but he's now 80 yards away from breaking the record, I just think they're going to kind of keep him going. And if his prop is only 91 and a half, and I kind of think they're going to at least see how it goes early in the game, try and get him going, I think he's got a good chance of hitting that. I'm personally going to take that over. I also like Jacoby Myers again this week. He got there by one yard last week, one yard on the over. But I like the spot again. Um, on the surface, it's a horrendous spot because let's be honest, Buffalo's going to beat New England by like 100 points this week. I mean, it is not going to be close. They're going to destroy the Patriots. But that's not the worst thing in the world for Myers. Uh, Myers does have a top three matchup. It's pretty likely that New England, if they're down by a lot, are probably going to throw it. It would be kind of weird if the Patriots got down by a lot of points and then continued to run the ball, especially against a really good defense, not at home. Like, it just makes sense that in the second half, they're going to have to throw it. Um, he is, I would say, the only competent wide receiver on the roster right now. I thought Tyquan Thornton would be better than he is. He has not been good. We just know the other guys are it's just such below average wide receivers. And I'm not saying Myers is like, you know, an elite wide receiver or anything, but he's a good quality wide receiver. His line is again this week, 47 and a half. He needs about five to six receptions to hit that. Who else are they going to throw to? If they have to throw the ball almost every play in the second half of this game, I'm thinking he's going to rack up receptions and have a decent game. Um, again, their best wide receiver by a mile going to be trailing. It's just a good spot for him to hit this over. The final prop we'll go over today is our boy, George Pickens. Got to include Pickens every week. Uh, not every week, but we include him a lot, I feel like. Uh, over 38 and a half. I think this is his lowest total in probably like two or three months, to be honest. He's usually been around like 48, 49, but 38 and a half this week. Uh, this is a must win, obviously, for the Steelers. They need to win this game and then for both the Patriots and the Dolphins to lose this week to make the playoffs. And honestly, that's not super far-fetched. Like I said, I don't think the Patriots are winning. And the Dolphins, I think, are like two to two and a half point favorites. So that game could swing in either direction. And so Steelers could absolutely make the playoffs. Also, even if, you know, in the outlier scenario that like New England or Miami is up by like 30 points late in the game and it's like, oh, you know, we're not going to make playoffs. They still want to win the game because 
they need to avoid Tomlin's first losing season. They've been open about that. They don't want to have a losing year. Tomlin's never had a losing season. They don't want it to be this year. And so even in that outlier scenario where that happened, which is, is just not going to happen, like the Patriots and Dolphins, neither one of them is going to get up by a billion points really early in the game and just like clinch it from the start. So even if that happened, we still have the Steelers trying to win this game. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the Browns are not a great matchup for Pickens. Um, nothing about the game stands out. It's probably not going to be a high-scoring game. So game environment matchup, not really in favor of Pickens. Uh, this is really just one of those classic, I'm betting on talent. I think Pickens is a really quality young wide receiver. Um, I just think he's talented enough. And they're going to throw it enough to where he hits this about 60, maybe like the low 60s percent of the time. That makes it a solid bet. Anything over like 52, 53% is a solid bet. So those are my favorite picks for week 18 with a lot of them coming the Saturday games, but a few Sunday in there for uh, those of you who are watching this on Sunday. Remember uh, that I do have more picks on top of these free on my website. Don't have to pay anything. They're completely free. And then also free playoff best ball rankings if you want to join into the mitten i think it's like the, probably the mitten three at this point when you guys are watching this uh the gauntlet any of those tournaments on underdog free rankings you can directly upload them from my website to underdog draft with them already preloaded in and there's some tips on the site as well again completely free and if you haven't signed up yet you'll want something to root for this week into the nfl playoffs no more season-long fantasy again sign up using promo code ffa they will match your first deposit up to $100. That's a really good deal. You put in $100, they'll match that $100. That's a free $100. They're just dropping into your account. Again, really good deal. Please take advantage of that. So that'll do it for this one. Hope you all enjoy. If you did, how about hitting the like button and how about subscribing to the channel if you're new here? Thanks for watching.